Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of Teach Rough and Film Buff Podcast. Going back to the structure I used a couple of weeks ago, this this episode will mostly be focused on the last couple of movies I watched, either saw in theaters, uh, revisited a movie I've seen before, maybe even watched a commentary of a movie. We'll get to that a little bit later. But um, starting off here in the beginning, I saw an Indian movie, which was uh, ranked as... Uh, in the top 100 or top 200 on IMDb under the fan voting. So I wanted to see what this movie was all about, and it's called Anhudhan, directed by Siriam Rakhavan. Uh, it's like an Indian crime thriller released actually last year in 2018. Never heard of this movie before two weeks ago or so when I saw this movie, and it is absolutely insane. I've never seen something like this, uh, like this story that they put on screen here. I mean, there's actually a movie, I haven't seen this movie, but there's a movie with Natalie Dormer that came out either last year or the year before that also deals with a similar premise of someone uh, blind kind of witnessing something then having to uh, kind of gets wrapped up in this sort of mystery premise. Um, and of course, being blind, there's you know a twist to that and how do they... You know, cope with certain things, not being able to see, and how do they, um, you know, act as a, a rightful witness to to, you know, some sort of event that occurs. I'm trying to be vague with this movie because I think it's best if you know absolutely nothing going in, as did I, and it's it's quite a trip. So, basically, and Hudhan deals with a uh, blind piano player, uh, played by Ayushman Kiran Kirana. Uh, and, and he gets kind of caught up in this murder mystery um, with somebody that he kind of meets. And you don't really understand um, where this guy's coming from, what his deal is. He's a, he's a piano player, he's blind, but why is he in the apartment he's in? Why is he in the this part of the country he's in? Why is he talking to these some sort of, these, these this group of people? Um, it's it's fascinating to say the least. So, it kind of starts off as this crime thriller, more serious, dramatic. I mean, there's a little humor in in the beginning as well, but more serious for sure to, to start. And then it just kind of divulges into this crime, mystery, drama, soap opera. Um, there's there's like musical element to to it almost. Uh, even it really ends more thrillerish, not not necessarily horror, but more thriller. Um, and it, it ends up being kind of more like a dark comedy when you look back on it. Um, but the way I'm describing it and the way I described it on my review on IMDb was it's kind of like Pulp Fiction with a dash of La La Land, Seven Pounds, inspired by Fargo, um, and, and directed by Quentin Tarantino, of course, who do directed Pulp Fiction amongst many other things. It's honestly one of the most insane films I've ever seen. Um, I definitely think I, this, this could be one where I would actually buy it and, and revisit it, especially if there's some sort of commentary attached to this as well. Love the chance to hear some behind the scenes, uh, more information, stories, and how they came up with, with, with the premise of this movie. So that's Anhudhan, 2018 film directed by Siriam Rakahavan. So I highly suggest that one. Um, and this is going to be more of a shorter episode. We're only going to do a couple movies. I'm not going to do 10 to 12 like I did, uh, you know, two weeks ago or so. Uh, the next movie 
is, you know, on the negative side. So I love Dan Hudan, not a fan of Godzilla, King of Monsters. So this is another movie I saw a couple weeks ago. Um, saw it on opening night, um, you know, a week or two after I saw John Wick Chapter 3, which, again, another movie I was slightly disappointed with. Um, so this is yet again another example of the sort of letdown that we're having with 2019. Uh, started out great with like How to Train Your Dragon uh, 3, it Happy Death Day to You, which was I thought was great. Had, uh, Fighting with My Family, which was great. Um, Shazam was great. Avengers Endgame was great. Um, and then things just kind of started to fall off in May, surprisingly, which is usually when you know things start to pick up. So uh, this is directed by Michael Doherty. It's starring um, you know Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga. Well, you know what? Who cares? It, we don't we don't care who stars in this movie. It should only be Godzilla should only be the monsters and that's really all anybody cares about who goes to see this movie which is probably why the box office is tanking because the movie really doesn't star Godzilla at all it doesn't it absolutely doesn't um he essentially takes a nap in this movie for 40 to 45 minutes uh, he's not in it for the first 30 to 35 maybe even first 40 minutes uh, you see glimpses of him in like a flashback uh this is I guess a spoiler conversation not really but um, if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, you know, whatever. But you see glimpses of him, flashbacks of him. There's some TV footage again like they love to use in the 2014 movie. Um, but you really don't see him, see him in action until, I don't know, 40 to 45 minutes in the movie. The movie's two hours and ten minutes. Um, then after a fight or two, he's out of the movie again for 35, 40 minutes. And then, of course, the final fight is great. I mean, I, I can't, I'm not going to actually really complain about any of the action in the movie. I think it's pretty well shot. And even the fact that they do choose to focus on the human character, sometimes when you do get the scope of what's going on from the human character's point of view, it's really cool looking. Um, it can be very you know, cinematic and theatrical, which I, I do love that. But ultimately, the movie tries to spend way too much time on human story, which nobody cares about, nobody wants to see, and not enough time actually developing the monsters, where they're from, what they're doing, their motivations, you know, Godzilla's motivations. They try to, you know, lay it all out on the line for you with, like, Bradley Whitford's character. Um, I, it's, it's such a disappointing, just blah of a movie especially because those three trailers that they had put out were some of the greatest trailers that any movie has ever put to screen if that makes any sense i mean like it, it is fantastic uh that some of those trailers they had some of the marketing they had for this movie which i guess makes it almost surprising that it's not succeeding if word of mouth was that powerful i understand but i mean You'd think that this movie would have opened up to at least like 70 to 80 million, but I think it was almost only 45, maybe 50. And it's just, it's completely falling out of the picture at this point. I mean, it's going to fall out of the, the top 10 in a week or so, and then it'll be out of theaters by the end of June, more than likely. Um, just, just very disappointed. It's really, it, it just reminds me of why people hated the 2014 movie. Uh, I thought it was a decent film, but really it's not is rewatchable because you really only get, you know, 30 minutes of Godzilla in a movie called Godzilla. 
Anyway, um, so next year is Kong vs. Godzilla, so very interested to see where the franchise and what Warner Brothers does or Legendary, whoever has the rights right now, what they do with with uh, these characters, especially since the movie's already shot, from my understanding. So, um, you know, as hard as this movie fails, as hard as Godzilla fails, I know it's succeeding overseas, but I doubt it's really going to make its money back at this point. Maybe it makes a little bit of profit, but you got to wonder what's going to happen with Kong vs. Godzilla. I would hope that that movie would be good enough and they'll focus on those two characters and give us more motivation between the two and inevitably they'll end up fighting against you know mecha godzilla or one of the mecha moth or whatever they choose to do um, i'm sure it'll be something that charles dance's character uh figures out as you see in the after credits of godzilla king of the monsters so enough godzilla talk let's move on to actually one of the best movies of the summer so far probably the second best movie this side of endgame um, and that's Booksmart. So I saw Booksmart a second time about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, it's probably, it is my third favorite movie of the year, and I will be shocked if this movie doesn't make my top 10. I really, really liked it the first time. I loved it the second time. I think this movie is absolutely special. Um, directed by Olivia Wilde, starring Caitlin Dever, Beanie Feldstein, um, and, and this movie kind of hits hits the, the right notes in terms of coming in age. And, and if you do make a good coming of age movie, I mean, they're some of my favorite films of all time. I mean, when you when you talk of like Lady Bird, The Spectacular Now, Paper Towns, I mean, even something like Sing Street is, is, is a high school coming of age or The Way Way Back or even Almost Famous to a certain extent. I, I really do love that high school coming of age angle that a lot of movies uh take nowadays now let's face it a lot of movies fail to do this i will say uh, five feet apart from earlier this year uh it's not a good movie but um um what what is her name uh gosh i can't even think of the, the star of that movie with uh, what's his name cole sprouse but uh it the movie itself is not great but um the actress is, is absolutely fantastic and has a massive future um in the industry and, and maybe even an oscar um as i pull up a google search Haley lou richardson that's her name she's absolutely fantastic in, in five feet apart but the movie itself is, is not great but anyway back to book smart um did, when this movie hits laugh wise and uh and heart wise with the, the emotional impact it really it, it really hits it's well um, it, when you, like there's this, there's a scene in the movie between Beanie and, and Caitlin that it is basically like one of them pumping the other one up for basically kind of, uh, you know, saying, oh, you know, nobody would like me. I'm ugly, blah, blah, blah. And the, you just had this one scene that you never really see in movies. It, it, it's Caitlin Dever kind of saying, no, you are the, you know, you, you are amazing. Somebody would be lucky to have you. You're the most beautiful person I've ever, you know, it's just the, the that type of character building, for some reason, you don't see that a lot in the movies. You don't see a female character building up uh, another character, you know, emotionally, mentally. Um, usually, it's all about the the looks and, and physicality. But uh, that, that that scene was that scene was really well done. Um, and also, the movie's just straight hilarious. There's a couple characters that are 
basically written in there specifically for laughs, but it never feels like they're just caricatures. They're actually real people because in the end, there's always more behind, there's more depth behind these characters. Um, there's a couple, there's one character that's, they kind of call triple A in the, in the film. And, and you kind of just think, oh, this is, this is one of the cliche, you know, girls of a typical high school movie. And no, no, there's more to her story. There's, there's, there's certainly more. And I do actually love the, the premise of, you know, I think, I think they even showed in the trailer, you have Beanie Feldstein's character, um, you know, in the bathroom, she overhears people talking about her. Uh, she comes out and she's like, yeah, yeah, you can talk all you want. You can make fun of me, but you know, I'm going to be going to, you know, uh, this great school next year and you're going to be, you know, stuck, uh, here in the summer working, you know, this horrible job, you know, living at home, not having a life in college. And then they're all like, no, I mean, we had fun in high school. You can think that we're like that, but we had fun and we're going to a good school. And I don't feel like we've actually seen that premise before. And I thought that that was, that, that was a, that was a different touch that Olivia Wilde brought. I really loved that. Um, it really is kind of like super bad for this generation, I guess, if you can call it a, a separate generation already, even though I think it's only been what, 11, 12 years since super bad, but uh, just absolutely love book smart chemistry between the leads fantastic once again like i said there's plenty of laughs plenty of heart um, certainly the the final 15 minutes are are definitely emotional um i love that they never they never uh keep the camera too long on, on an emotional beat or, or kind of manipulate you into feeling something because they then they always kind of switch it with a laugh you know there's always a joke after to kind of lighten the mood Say hey, yes, this is a serious movie and deals with serious issues, but we're, we're not we're not too far from a laugh, you know. Um, but it's unfortunate because this is its movie is kind of getting smothered at the box office. There's not for some reason it's just as great of reviews as it's getting, as great of word of mouth as many celebrities tweet about this movie. It's it's not making a lot of money, and perhaps that's just kind of what the movie is. It was never going to. You know, to break box office records, it was never gonna dethrone Endgame, you know, or John Wick or wherever, whichever movie it it opened up against. So it's unfortunate, but I think that's kind of what you'd expect. It, so it's made around twenty million right now, which is decent, but um, uh, I'm not sure what the budget is. But if it's anywhere from like ten to twelve million, which it's kind of what I'm thinking it might have been, maybe a little less. I'm not sure it's going to make much money here, but it's unfortunate because this is, you know, Olivia Wilde's first feature film uh, behind the camera. Uh, it doesn't certainly doesn't feel like that. There's many scenes, particularly this long take scene where the main two characters are having, some, you know, a fight uh, at a party. Long take, um, beautifully shot. Um, I love the the atmosphere she brings to this movie. Um, again, just. It, very well done movie i'd be shocked if this isn't in my top 10 by the end of the year and i'm doing a podcast about how much i love book smart again you know what i mean um so oh and i should mention that you know diana silvers is absolutely fantastic in book smart which i believe was her first uh feature film that she did and her second which is going to be the next movie i talk about briefly which is that of ma so i did see ma the week after i saw book smart for the second time or maybe even the same weekend um it's it's a well done horror movie but you know horror movies to me only they only go so far like i i either love when they take a really fun approach like happy death day or like an absolutely terrifying 
uh, mind F of a story like The Shining or even It. Um, so, so I mean, horror movies, are they're only going to get a certain amount of praise from me. But I, I did enjoy Ma. I think Octavia Spencer's great. Diana Silvers is fantastic as the lead character. Uh, the rest of the actors, not so much. It's not... It's either really not a well-written movie for those characters, or they're just not as talented as everybody else. It's kind of they stick out like a sore thumb. Um, so that was interesting, especially because it's directed by Tate Taylor, who you know directed The Help, um, and is going to direct, uh, I believe, what is it called, uh, Eve later this year. I believe he's also on board for that. I could be wrong on that, but I, I think so. And and so I'm I'm fascinated with with his career and, and his choice to it's going to horror here but uh, I mean it's a solid movie there's certainly some graphic shock you get with Ma that I, I was not expecting in my theater that I saw it with was not expecting at all which kind of added to the, the the feeling that I had going out but it also kind of got noxious after a while when you have a, a certain audience like I did that was mostly you know high school kids kind of probably shouldn't even be in the theater maybe it was like their first rated r movie that's kind of what it seemed like from the the audience they were overreacting to everything they were you know being too chatty um kind of ruined that sort of the experience but an enjoyable enough movie that if you like this genre i think you'll enjoy ma and you'll certainly enjoy octavia spencer's performance i mean she was fantastic so lastly but not least I did get a chance the last week or so to to watch, uh, to rewatch the movie uh, Like Crazy and the movie The Gray, but this time with commentary of the uh, director and, and editors and writers. So those two commentaries that I watched were, were really really insightful, especially um, Like Crazy. I, I found that movie to be, I mean, I, I love the movie the first time, but I am beyond fascinated with the production of that movie now that I've seen the commentary because there's so many times in the in, in the commentary where they talk about um, how many scenes we're kind of just like yeah we don't really have a script for this scene we're going to shoot it we, we have the feel we have kind of the goal of where we want this scene to end up but you can go ahead and and you know talk through the dialogue yourself you know to Anton Yelchin and to Felicity Jones so I found that I found that very interesting I know that that happens more often than you think but not for the whole movie, and it feels like like crazy by what the director and the editors were, were telling you that essentially most of the movie is improvised. Um, so so that was certainly interesting. And man, that that movie is um, to not go into to too much of a spoiler. That movie is is pretty pretty heartbreaking. It it is beyond well done, especially since it's based off of the director's uh, true relationship with, with a long-term relationship that he had um, back in the day so certainly interesting stuff there plenty of good insight in the commentary plenty of funny moments as well with the cinematographer kind of um, adding in that he was just there when the, a lot of the very intimate scenes were happening um, so it's, it's interesting um, that in that way as well and how they kind of pieced together a couple of scenes that were supposed to be later on in the movie or supposed to be you know earlier on in the movie and it just ends up working really well anyway so i found that really interesting as well as the the commentary for the gray uh with joe carnahan and uh a couple of the editors i believe or maybe it was the writers i can't remember at this point but i just finished this the other night and um I never, I, I haven't seen this movie in years. I, I, I loved it when I saw it. I saw it a couple times back 
again after I saw it in like 2011, 2012, but I haven't really revisited it since. So when I saw that there was a commentary on it, I, knew, I know I needed to, I knew I needed to, to check it out because I do love that movie. It's one of my favorites of all time. I just haven't seen it in years. Um, Liam Neeson movies always get me anyway. So, uh, and of course, movies in the cold, movies in the snow, they just have a certain amount of appeal. Like they, they just, they're just like even the uh, Mads Mikkelsen movie earlier this year, Arctic was pretty solid. Um, you know, I love Wind River. Even you know, after the, I, I liked Wind River a lot the first time, but I'm growing to like that movie more and more as I see it and, and watch different scenes of it. So that's another movie that's in the the freezing cold kind of a crime uh, action thriller that I, I do love. So that's um, that's always a plus with the gray as well. And I love that Joe Carnahan comes out and basically says right in the beginning that this movie was not really meant to portray, you know, wolves as exactly as they are in real life. It's more of a, uh, you know, it's more of a force of nature, as they kind of say in the commentary, that um, these wolves are kind of just attacking the humans one by one, um, kind of almost representations of Liam Neeson's consciousness. I've heard that theory online, too. I, I really... I uh, dig that as well after the plane crash that kind of kills everybody else on board except for about seven or eight men um, who try to live and survive in unbelievable circumstances. So, uh, again, commentaries to me, you have to really go wrong to to not like the commentaries. One of the few ones that I feel like is pretty awful is the James Cameron one on Terminator 2, but that's because he essentially interrupts his... Uh, his, his co-worker every single sentence he says so it's, it's you can't get really any enjoyment out of it but uh, the gray much different than that like crazy uh, commentary as well absolutely loved it that's basically the show for today that's the episode review a couple of movies i saw give you some more insight into the commentaries i've watched next week i'm pretty sure i'm going to do a deep dive into the toy story quadrilogy now uh, probably right after i see the fourth one next thursday um, we'll see where I go from there, but I can't wait to rewatch that trilogy. It's been quite a few years since the last time I've really uh, taken a deep dive, especially with Toy Story 2. I haven't seen that movie in probably a decade, so that'll be interesting. Can't wait for it. Until next time, thanks.